Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and End podcast. I'm Dave Singh here with Rob Friesen, getting ready for the week ahead. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Not too bad. Uh, sorry to our listeners. We missed a couple of weeks there with uh, busy schedules, So, um, but we're we're back at it. And yeah. uh, we want to leave you hanging. You know, we want to want to see if we can help. Um, just commenting on some things, put wrapping things together. So we'll get started uh, first by saying that um, there is no seasonality this coming week here because we're a little bit in a no man's land between the mid-month seasonality that culminated um, on expiration. I mean, there can be a little bit of runoff into the Monday, but um, let's just call it a wrap uh, with, you know, the th- third Friday of the month um, expiration. So this was quarterly expiration. And um, and then we have to wait until, you know, the last five days of the month for our next seasonality window that we look at, which is a full week. I mean, this month of March here is kind of structured really, really nicely. Um, so we've got this no, man land, no man's land week, and then we have the last five trading days of the month, all within the last week of the month. Um, and so... Um, we we take a look at well how did we arrive you know at this expiration and one of those influences was mid-month seasonality and so mid-month seasonality shows the cues to be pretty strong relative to the spy it actually shows the cues to be strong you know for the month relative to the spy for the month of march and that's what we've been seeing. Um, Dave, haven't you noticed the strength in the technology stocks? Yeah. Uh, you know, especially the yeah. mega cap, right? Correct, yeah. And so, especially the two-year, with the drop in the two-year, that's just supportive for tech in general. So, mm-hmm. so um, you know, we, we know that NASDAQ doesn't have the banking exposure that the S&P does. Um, so that's uh, also why it wasn't uh, marching to the beat of the same drummer. The rally up on the the queues was was quite quite good. And um, the worst uh, of the four horsemen there is the IWM. The Russell 2000 has uh, performed the worst uh, recently, and that's kind of to be expected when you think about, you know, what what is the landscape for small caps. You know, what's their behavior? What's their makeup? What's their DNA? Well, they have generally less liquidity across the board. They have more volatility. So combine those two together and you get a lot more, you know, weird stuff going on. Um, and then um, they like the prospects of growth, you know, and they and even on a down day for the spy or, the you know, cues in the past, often the, the, the small caps have rallied. But that's only because there is that backdrop of some growth and um, we've kind of seen that be challenged in recent weeks and especially with the banking crisis because you, you, as you know small companies need often working capital need lines of credit need financing you know need to have an environment that is bank friendly and venture capital friendly and both those areas have been affected 
So this, you know, what I don't like about our, I mentioned this before on the call here once before, and that is I really don't like um, the Russell long only against IWM all the time. I mean, it can work out some days, especially if you notice that the Russell is weakening, you know, really encourage you to move towards beta hedging to offset your downside. And if you beta hedge, that's not not a bad offset. And, and like Friday, you can end up positive on, on the list. Um, but what's actually better is if you can, you know, subscribe to the web screener and produce for yourself longs and shorts in the Russell. And we've kind of steered away from recommending shorts in the Russell only because sometimes you get the meme stuff, you get things that are takeover candidates, you get things that just go on a go on a tear and go up 25 or 50 percent for a day. And so, you know, we just kind of are concerned that um, people don't get run over because theoretically the the loss on the short side can be unlimited versus the loss on the downside is simply, you know, a stock going to zero, right? So, um, but for yourself, you know, to we encourage you if you want to play in the Russell to, you know, curate some longs and shorts because the shorts really do pay off on those types of days where everything's heading down and they do a lot better than just the single ETF like IWM. Would you agree with your obs that observation uh, and experience, Dave? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's a lot less variance, and uh, it's it, with the hedge at the IWM or TWM. You either really, really good or really, really bad. But um, right. it kind of le levels things out a lot better when there are longs right. and shorts. <clears throat> well, and you know, and, and the shorts can often work for you really well. Like even with our five-day swing trading list, which was curated last Friday or the Friday before, and um, it was for the open from Monday to the close of Friday, which was expiration. That five-day list had 10 longs and 10 shorts. And it was actually the shorts that produced, the market itself from the open of Monday to the close of Friday was up 2.1% uh, if we talk about the SPY. Um, but the... Uh, the portfolio of longs and shorts mixed was up 2.5%. So it actually had alpha over the SPY. And it was really the shorts that did did all the heavy lifting. They're the ones that made money, which, again, in an up market, you know, shouldn't be that way. But um, it's just my encouragement to really find some strategic um, shorts. And, you know, if you're in doubt and you only have the ETFs, well, that's that's fine. But make sure you pay a little more attention to how things are going so you can add some weight. You know, you have to do this with any ETF that's more statistically muted. You have to add some weight to compensate for the higher beta, higher volatility, or just, you know, the, the focused moves that some of the stocks can have. Okay. Um, so Dave, uh, we've got this uh, Credit Suisse uh, situation going on. Um, you read the news. Do you want to comment on that? Well, it's, um, US, UBS initially had a, a really low bid to buy Credit Suisse, and they, they found it insulting, right? And they came back and got a little bit higher. But the overall thing is um, 
governments and larger institutions are kind of having this backstop here, right? They're coming in to shore up the, the system, right? Protect it for all, which is right. good news for in the, in the immediate future for the situation. But again, it goes back to this bailout kind of mentality, which which has been the backdrop for all these years, right? Printing right you, never get out, you never get out of it, right? I mean, it's yes. like a welfare system. When you start something, it's really tough to get off it, right? So it's a Band-Aid, but um, short term, it's, uh, it's, I thought it's where the futures are up a little bit, too. It's showing um, that there is kind of this backstop to the, to the financial yeah. industry and, and these banks. Well, this, the, this Credit Suisse was, was you know, a much bigger deal than Lehman Brothers back in the day. I mean, um, so there is the UBS agreeing to buy it. Now, some of the uh, riskier bondholders, like the A1 bonds, they're getting wiped out. Um, so it, it, you know, in favor of the equity, which is not usually usually bond bondholders do better overall, but there is some hit there. Um, but this uh, this is also being backstopped by you know the central bank of Switzerland. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a you know it's a big deal, and that that reduces the competition and uh, probably ultimately makes the situation more risky for you know Swiss citizens and residents and so on in terms of their banking. But we're seeing the same thing, of course, throughout the U.S., regional banks specifically, and there may be more dominoes to fall yet before this is said and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, what triggered the fall of the uh, the three that have collapsed? Um, one was more related to crypto. One was more related to, um, you know, just bad, bad assets. And one was more related to... Um, holding U.S. treasuries at prices that ended up, you know, declining. And then, of course, the the run on the bank uh, just made it all that worse. So, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think we're out of out of the woods altogether. Um, we'll have to watch closely the bonds and closely the U.S. dollar for, you know, an indication of what's going on. Um, run through some of the economic news that's coming up this next week here, Dave. Yeah. So. Uh... On Tuesday, we have existing home sales. Also on Thursday, we have new home sales. So there's a bit of um, focus on how housing is doing. And then Thursday, we have initial jobless claims. And Friday, there's PMI. So give a little bit of um, sense of how the economy is doing in terms of services and manufacturing. But the key thing is going to be Wednesday. That's the federal um, interest rate decision and and the the federal chair Powell press conference, right? So that's going to be the big mover in the week. And they're expected to do at least 25% uh, 25 um, basis points increase. And um, that's going to be the, the big focus of the week is that Wednesday conference call and the decision. Right. You know, I mean, we had, we had originally expected 25 and then the, you know, the future or the Fed um, CME forecast tool, you know, <clears throat> ran, wrapped it up to 78% chance of um, of a 50. And then, of course, with the banking crisis, that dropped down to <laughs> back to maybe there's a, maybe there's zero uh, percent. Maybe we're not even going to have a hike. And then now it's sort of settled at 25 just because they've had a lot of flack about, well, now what, are you going to, you know, listen to the public pressure and, and do a Fed pivot? Or are you going to uh, stick with the fight against inflation? So it's really a battle battleground. And probably 25 would be 
what they'll do. Okay, because that's the odds are very high of that at the moment. And then possibly pause to then, you know, look at the data again and, and see how this banking thing is playing out. And then maybe they'll go back to, you know, skip a month and do another 25 and skip a month to do 25 or whatever. But, um, you know, there's a lot of parties that don't want to see them let up on inflation because um, it's it's a concern. And the problem is the more money they put into the system, um, you know, the, the more the uh, dollar is under pressure, uh, ultimately, the more inflation we could have anyway, right? So <laughs> I just think it's a catch-22. What do you do? So, yeah. Um, let's, um, let's talk about the one week performance here because we ended on expiration and often there can be this change, you know, a kind of a mean reversion or reversal after expiration. So I, I don't want to say that that's absolutely certain to happen. It's, it's a high probability there can be that change. Um, being that, you know, as Dave said, it's fed week. Um, there's a lot, uh, you know, going on. It is a two-day meeting, so there's there's the history of Fed meetings. What is the history of Fed meetings? We tend to rally sometimes on the, uh, you know, Monday or the Tuesday before, and then maybe decline a little bit, and then have a bit of a rally before the announcement itself. So, uh, and then afterwards, well, who knows how the market's going to take the Q&A period and what's said and so on. But um, there is often a little bit of a rally in uh, Fed announcement weeks. So keep that in mind. But let's look at how we got here. Communication services had an incredible week, up 6.85%. Technology also up 4.99%. So, you know, Apple, Microsoft, Meta, Google, some of the stocks that really shined in the technology and also communication area. Um, utilities were up 3.9. So that reflected a little bit of a defensive posturing there. Um, and sometimes when when rates are coming down, the you know, the better dividend yields on utilities shine. And when rates are going up, sometimes it's they're despised and people go to cash. Um, so there's that tension. Healthcare up 1.42, consumer cyclical 1.15, consumer defensive 0.73. So a little bit of some defensive stocks were doing okay, but there was a lot that were sold. You can see that based on your performance with the Dow 30. I mean, that thing's been in a bit of a channel all week, didn't have the rally that the NASDAQ had at all, right? So it kind of went NASDAQ, then SPY, or then S&P 500, and then the Dow, and then the Russell was the worst. Uh, real estate was down uh, 0.71. Again, this is this interest rate thing. Industrials down 2.43. Basic materials down 2.51. Financials down 4.83. Obviously expected with such a chaos going in the, in the banks and other financials as well. And energy, um, you know, it just looks like it's factoring in a massive recession uh, down 7.62. So that's what's screaming out at us with oil plus it's also based on you know um, production metrics and cuts or lack thereof or there was also announcements of other projects coming online so 
that's what we had for the week. So I want you to watch closely at uh, any continuation of these or any reversal or possibly mean reversion. Maybe energy has a bit of a bounce. Maybe financials are a little bit stronger after the Credit Suisse announcement. Uh, maybe the dollar pulls back and the basic materials um, rally a bit. Okay. Um, what else is on your uh, list there, Dave? There's a couple of earnings. We've got Nike on Tuesday, uh, Foot Locker on Monday, um, some solar stocks, Canadian solar Wednesday. Let's see, we got um, oh, KB Homes. Um, so some housing related things again, and then also um, Petco, Chewy. Okay. Um, I'll just run through the uh, futures, what they're doing now since we've been open for two, almost two and a half hours. Um, so Dow Jones futures are up uh, 41 points or 0.13%. Again, we got just a massive channel it's stuck in and it's just sitting right in the middle of it. So who knows, just more of the same maybe. Uh, S&P 500 has a bit of a slope to its uh, channel, um, Was you know got stuck around that 4,000 level. It's up 9.75 or 0.25%. NASDAQ, again, I mentioned it had done the best, and it's up 0.27%, up 34 points right now. And it's kind of sitting on uh, kind of a ledge right now after the rally that it had last week. So Friday was a bit of a bit of a pause and rest kind of pullback day, but on Friday it did also make a higher high than Thursday. So, so But it's just sitting here almost like a bit of a teeter-totter. Russell down in the dumps, we got a significant support level that it's really close to. Um, and so just look at your five day lows on that. That's going to give you an indication of that. But right now it is up 0.54% or 9.4 points. Um, I, I might offer that, you know, this, this might be the most attractive bounce back area, right? Like if you're looking for something that might actually pop up it's possible it all depends on how this carries over into tomorrow morning with the um, performance that it has now which is better than the other markets keep an eye on the vix it's been really you know crazy uh not not the highest it's ever been but it's been just really violently moving um between 23 on the vix and 28 um so it is elevated and it's it's quite uh quite snaky there so it's down currently 1.3 percent so again for the potential for a little bit of a lift here before the fomc announcement we're seeing some signs of that already and that might carry over all the way into the announcement so us dollar it is currently up just slightly 0.14 but it's in a real five-day channel as well, and it's kind of sitting a bit of on a ledge itself. So hopefully that helps. I think we we covered it okay. Um, anything else that I forgot? No, that's that's it for my end too. Okay, I saw one thing that was. I guess it's all right. 
Uh, just let me look at the bonds here before we go. So bonds are currently down 0.4%. Uh, that's the third year, the 10 year 0.35% down. And then Dave pointed out the two years just down slightly. But all of them have had, you know, obviously incredible rallies in the last week and a half. So, uh, you know, that bonds prices go up and rates come down. So with the unrealized losses that are affecting the banks, if if the uh, bond prices were to continue to move higher, that would certainly help alleviate uh, their longer duration stuff. But it also depends on uh, confidence of uh, consumers and depositors and so on. And um, so it's not going to be easy, even if rates drop more and the bonds rally, it's, it's going to take some pressure off, but it won't be that easy just because of how far and how fast we actually moved. When you look at the weekly, you know, the 10 year note, for example, was trading at 140 um, between 2020 and 2021. And then, uh, from there, we dropped all the way down to 110, you know, in a year and a half. And I, I just think that so many of these banks got themselves stuck in, in something that's a safe haven, you know, became a toxic asset, actually. All right. With that, we'll uh, close her off. Thanks, Dave, for your time. All right. Good luck. Thanks.